Chapter Eighteen of Dot and Tot of Maryland. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Patty Cunningham. Dot and Tot of Maryland by L. Frank Baum. Chapter Eighteen: The Queen's Fairy Wand. "'You see, Princess,' said the Queen, when they were safely within the palace, "'it is rather dangerous to leave the dolls awake while I am away. "'I feared after I had started you might have trouble with them, "'and so hurried back as soon as I could. "'Did they frighten you?' "'A little,' said Dot, "'for they would not be quiet an instant. "'No, that is the way with dolls. "'If one wishes to take any comfort with them, "'they must be kept asleep.' then we can love them and play with them as much as we desire but while they are awake they are sure to cause no end of trouble i'll keep my dolls asleep said tot with decision yes agreed the girl they are nicer that way but did you see the watchdog of maryland she asked the queen yes indeed i told him just how to block up the archway if any more strangers appeared was the answer was he counting his whiskers asked tot not when I arrived. I think he was playing with a piece of jelly cake. Oh, yes, said the girl. Tot gave it to him. The queen was silent for a time, and appeared to be thinking without her machine, which made the girl anxious. But finally her majesty said, Now that I have looked after the safety of my first three valleys, I feel I should visit the last three, for it has been years since I have entered them. Can't we go with you? asked Dot eagerly. I cannot answer that question now, for I have not consulted my thinking machine, without which I never make an important move, but I will let you know in the morning. Dot and Tot were all excitement after that to know what the thinking machine would advise, for they were curious to see the remaining valleys of this wonderful country. But the queen said no more about the journey that evening, and devoted herself to entertaining them in such a pretty and modest way that they grew to love the big wax doll very dearly. Before breakfast the next morning, however, they asked what her thinking machine had said, and she at once replied, You may, if you wish, go with me to visit the other valleys. Since you are my adopted children, and a prince and princess of Maryland, it is right you should know all about your own country. Therefore, we will make the journey together. That's lovely, cried Dot with delight. When shall we start? Whenever you please, answered the Queen. As you seem so anxious, we may as well start after breakfast. Good, exclaimed Tot, who was already busily eating. I'm ready. So, breakfast being finished, they all walked down to the river wearing their golden crowns and feeling happy at the prospect of new adventures. They found the boat lying beside the steps outside the wall, and the wooden soldiers who were on guard saluted them respectfully as they seated themselves and made ready to start. The queen sat in the middle of the boat, with Dot at one end and Tot at the other, but now they were not obliged to wait for the slow current to carry them along, for when the pretty queen waved her fairy wand around her golden head, the boat shot out from the shore and glided swiftly toward the rocky arch that led to the fifth valley of Maryland. This they reached in a few minutes and passed quickly through, while Dot and Tot looked eagerly ahead to see what the fifth valley was like. It seemed very quiet as it lay under the rays of the morning sun, 
and at first the children thought the valley resembled one of the quiet country scenes at home, for nothing remarkable met their eyes, and they felt rather relieved at the contrast between this and the wonderful toy valley they had just left. Yet Dot soon decided the place was inhabited, for they came to a queer-looking group of buildings standing near the shore. These could not be seen clearly at first, but the boat drew nearer every moment, and finally the queen waved her fairy wand, and some magic power carried them quickly to the shore at a spot near to the buildings. The children sprang out upon the grass, and then they could see better what these strange houses looked like. All the buildings were exactly alike, and stood about as high as a tall man. In shape they were square, with a flat roof, but around each roof was a stout railing. There were no windows at all, and each house had but one door which was placed in the centre, halfway between the floor and the roof. Even this was more a doorway than a door, being nothing but a square hole with a broad shelf projecting outside and inside the bottom of the opening. The entire group of buildings was painted a pure white, but underneath each hole or doorway was a big black number. The house nearest the river on the left side was number one, and the one on the right side was number forty-seven. Yet the houses were not laid out into streets, but stood here and there upon the smooth lawn without any attempt at order or regularity. "'Well, how do you like this valley?' asked the queen, with a laugh as she saw Dot and Tot looking at the queer place with sober faces. "'The houses seem very odd, if they are houses,' replied Dot. Then she inquired, "'Who lives in them?' "'King Felis lives in number one, said the queen. "'At least he did several years ago, when I last visited him. "'I will now call him, that I may introduce you to his majesty.' Thereupon she gave a shrill whistle, and a moment later a great Maltese pussycat sprang upon the shelf of the doorway at number one, and sat there for an instant, crouched, with its ears pointing into the air, and its big yellow eyes gazing steadily at the visitors. Then the pussy leaped lightly to the ground, and standing upon its rear legs before the queen, he bobbed his head solemnly up and down and said, "'Welcome, Queen of Maryland, to the Valley of Pussycats.' "'I thank you, King Felis,' responded the wax doll sweetly. "'But permit me to introduce to you my adopted children, Princess Dot and Prince Tot of Maryland.' The big pussy looked at the children with surprise, but nodded his head politely. "'The prince and princess seem like people from the big outside world,' he said with a wise look. And then he turned to Dot and asked, "'Do you pull the tails of pussycats?' "'Oh, no!' exclaimed the girl, who was just then admiring the beauty of the Cat King, as well as his ability to speak. "'Or pinch their ears,' he continued. "'Never,' declared Dot. "'I did. Once,' remarked Tot composedly. And it yelled. The big kitty looked at the boy gravely and said, "'Should you do such a thing in this valley, I would ask the Queen to send you away at once.' It is really a wicked amusement, for it hurts a pussy as much as if someone should pinch your own ears. All right, remarked Tot. I'll be good. You will find my adopted children both kind and gentle, said the Queen. So pray do not fear them, King Felis. Your Majesty rules all Maryland, he replied, and your children shall be as welcome in our valley as yourself. "'but I must call my people that they may pay their respects to your majesty.' 
"'Where are they?' asked Tot, who had been looking around and could see no other living thing than the big Maltese. "'At this time of day they are asleep, as all good pussycats should be,' was the king's answer. "'The sun is warm and pleasant just now, and my people are enjoying their midday naps.' Then he lifted his voice and uttered a loud wailing cry. Scarcely had it died away when the pussies began to appear. They leaped from the roofs of the houses, from the doorways, and even from among the shady clumps of long grass. Every house added six or seven to the number, and soon hundreds of pussy-cats were standing before the queen, bowing gracefully and crying, "'Welcome, your majesty,' in all sorts of voices. They were plump and comfortable-looking, and Dot had no idea there were so many kinds and colors of pussies in the world. Some had long silky hair, and some short velvety hair. Some had long bushy tails, some short tails, and some no tails at all. They were white and black, blue and gray, yellow and red, speckled and tortoiseshell in color. Some had pretty ribbons around their necks, and some of the older ones wore spectacles. But all were as neat as wax, and seemed well cared for. The big king was the largest of them all, yet there were many various sizes, down to the tiniest kittens with their eyes just open. When all this array of pussies had saluted the queen, they sat down upon the grass and began to purr, while some indulged in a yawn behind their paws, and others commenced to wash their faces, for they had just been aroused from a long nap. "'Your people seem happy and contented, King Felis,' remarked the queen, when she had looked them over carefully. "'Oh, yes, they are thriving finely,' replied the Maltese king. "'But why should they not?' They have no troubles nor cares, and pass their lives in eating and sleeping. With comfortable homes and plenty of food, they cannot help being the happiest pussycats in the big round world. I should think not indeed, said the queen. But now you must permit me to offer you the hospitality of my house, said the king. It is nearly dinner-time, and you will wish to rest and eat. Our houses are not very large, so I must divide your party and place you in separate families. The boy will be cared for by my cousin Tabby, who lives at number sixteen. The girl I will place with Uncle Palladius, who lives at number nine. And your majesty will, I trust, partake of the hospitality of my humble home. And he bowed again very politely. We accept your kindness with much pleasure and many thanks, answered the queen. And then she whispered to Dot and Tot not to be afraid, for the pussies would treat them with great courtesy. End of chapter 18. Recording by Patty Cunningham.